This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. In just a few moments, John Carlson returns to our show for the first time this new year with a fresh look at Vancouver real estate and lots more on the 1% Realty Story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And this story is from the U.S., but it could very easily have been written right here in Vancouver. Warnings to motorists about the dangers of handling a phone while driving haven't discouraged them from doing so, says new stuff from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. Based on recent observations, the insurance people estimate the number of drivers manipulating cell phones increased by 57% over the last four years. Research shows an increased risk of death for drivers who have been distracted by their phones. The latest data suggests that drivers are using their phones in riskier ways, too, say the researchers. The observed shift in phone use is concerning because studies consistently link manipulating a cell phone while driving to increased crash risk. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that almost 3,200 fatalities on U.S. roads in 2017 were about driver distraction, almost 9% of all traffic deaths. Here in B.C. and across the rest of Canada, the numbers are disturbingly similar. If you're driving right now, Start watching other drivers, and how many seconds do you think it will take until you see someone behind the wheel on their phone? I'm willing to bet it'll take less than a minute. This is not good. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is expanding a recall of noodle dishes that may contain egg and could cause life-threatening allergic reactions. It says a warning issued on the 11th of this month for certain Otogi brand noodle products has been updated because of egg not listed on the label. It warns that people with egg sensitivities should not eat the products, which includes several instant ramen and noodle dishes under the Otogi name. O-T-T-O-G-I name. The recall comes after a food safety investigation by the Food Inspection Agency, which says it's making sure the industry removes the recalled products from the marketplace. They were sold here in B.C., also in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, and Quebec, but may have been distributed elsewhere as well. There have been no reported reactions so far linked to these products. And here's a story from a Japanese banker that we've all seen coming for a while. Aging populations threaten to slow economic growth in the world's advanced economies and destabilize the banking system, said the head of Japan's central bank this week in Davos, Switzerland. But the Bank of Japan's governor, Mr. Kuroda, said there were benefits too. Faced with labor shortages as workers age and retire, employers are increasingly willing to hire women and to invest in labor-saving technology. Thanks to a low birth rate, and we've known this for a while, Japan's population peaked in 2010, and now the shortage of workers could cramp economic growth. Slow growth pushes interest rates down and makes banks think about making riskier loans in a search for higher returns, which could potentially make the financial system less stable. However, in response to the labor crunch, Japanese firms have been hiring more women. Going into this new year, a record 
67% of Japanese women either work or are looking for work, compared to just 57% here in North America. Japanese firms are also aggressively investing in robotics and other forms of automation, and of course that's raising productivity that feeds economic growth. The International Monetary Fund Chief uh, Christine Lagarde did point out you can't replace the entire Japanese population with robots, but they've been making a pretty convincing attempt at it for many years now, and if anything, they just keep getting better and better. And the cost to fix the White Rock Pier is now nearly tripled the original estimate. The iconic pier was destroyed in December during that huge windstorm, and initially the estimate to fix it was between five and six million bucks. However, According to an engineering report going to the next council meeting, the latest estimate has the tab between 14 and 16 million, depending on whether they opt for a steel and concrete deck or continue with the timber pile and deck. The figures are preliminary and the testing isn't all done, uh, so they're not final. Uh, some, though, but uh, some of the amounts will be covered. The pier is insured for up to $7 million. So that's comforting, but still, if it goes to twice that much, the folks in White Rock aren't going to be too pleased. Uh, typically, insurance will cover the cost of bringing the pier back to the condition it was before the windstorm. This all goes to council. I in White Rock on Monday should be a fiery meeting, to say the least. Those are some more of the uh, consumer stories of the week that we're tracking for you. We'll have a few more later in the hour as well. We'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, John Carlson makes his first return appearance of the new year with a fresh Vancouver Market real estate update right here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this cloudy Saturday afternoon. Cloudy and mild. I spent a few days in Toronto earlier this week. Mild, it definitely not, was not. So it's nice to be back home. John Carlson in studio. John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, uh, back with us for his first appearance of 2019. So it's uh, a belated Happy New Year to you. Nice to see you, John. Yes, thanks, Sterling. Great to be back here in 2019. So it's a brand new year, new page. Everything's a blank slate. We get a, a fresh chance at, right. start at, again at, at, here we go all <laughs> over again now 2018 was a real transition year we went through a lot of changes in 2018 with new regulations and stress tests federal provincial municipal laws all designed to their word calm the real estate market so now that year's behind us not by much but what right. do you think in retrospect? Did it accomplish anything, or are we just a little bit more confused? No, I think it definitely, uh, These some of these measures you mentioned, you're bang on. I mean, there, there's been an effort on the federal government's part and the provincial government to bring the Vancouver market and Fraser Valley market under control, if you will. So I think that, yeah, these changes have had an effect on the market. We're seeing uh, sales down in 2018 compared to previous year in overall volume in pretty much all segments. Right. Uh, we're seeing pricing, different reports on pricing, but overall things have... Uh, Again, varied throughout different markets, but pricing has become more achievable for buyers. And I think that's really, um, it's, it's inevitable that these things will happen because if you look at what went into the market of the all-time peaks, the recipe now is a little bit different. Uh, you know, Joe and Jane go to the bank to get a mortgage, and uh, they're not quite. There's not as big a bucket of money there for them. You well, know, given the same credit rating and earning and that sort of thing, and that's just one of the factors. That's right. Everyone, pretty much across the board, with this stress test, everyone's purchasing power has been diminished somewhat. Right? right. Absolutely, not a bad thing. I mean, in in the long run, it's probably a good thing. I've read reports, uh, various reports on either side. Some saying it hasn't done enough. Some saying it might go overboard, but 
that's one of the things that remains to be seen this year. Overall, in January so far, uh, I've had three listings sell. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised at the amount of spring the, the, out in the market. Maybe it's the good weather. That Maybe it's the fact that the rates have remained a little bit low. But just anecdotal evidence, people that I've been talking to for a while, some of them have called me and said, hey, we're ready to buy. We're in the market. We've got our pre-approval. Let's go out and look. And on the other hand, some of my listings are getting really good action, and uh, I've been pleasantly surprised, and the market hasn't worked its way out yet. What's, what's going to happen? But so far, the start, I would say, is pretty positive. Well, yeah, again, we've, we've, uh, we've, John and I were flipping through some uh, real estate business headlines and forecasts and uh, bold predictions, the whole bit. One of the Metro Vancouver home prices decline will bottom in 2019, then reversed. Uh, these are forecasters who are uh, feeling a little brave about things. But let's talk about declines, corrections is what the banks have been predicting. And we have seen some, certainly some of the high-end yes. detached homes. And that was happening six, eight months ago, John. Oh, yeah. Some of those prices were starting to come off. But in terms of the average buyer, it didn't mean anything because they were still in the stratosphere. How about more modest, modest a modestly priced home is still a million plus in Vancouver. Are we still starting, though, to see some, some, some of that coming off at all? I think that the million plus market in Vancouver is still, I mean, entry level market is still under threat of maybe some more correction. But like all segments of the market, that's going to remain to be seen. Uh, you know, I think one of two things will happen given any segment of the market. At this time of year, there's not always a lot of listings. People haven't, you know, got their house ready to list at Christmas time or sure, December or early January. And you might find that as a buyer in certain segments, you look at what's available on the market and it's kind of picked over the stuff that didn't sell over November, December, and January. And the overall uh, good quality uh, options for a buyer is a little bit limited. So when people jump into the market in the early part of the year and there's not that much inventory, we're mm-hmm. finding some of these segments. I'll talk about them townhouses in Maple Ridge, for instance. I'm finding that the good ones are selling relatively quickly. Um, but when the buyers jump in, one of two things will happen. Either they jump in and start sucking up the supply, meaning that prices will stabilize and maybe even go up if demand stays strong, or if buyers continue to wait on the sidelines a little bit and the new inventory starts hitting in February, March, and April, and it stacks up unsold, well, that'll tip the, the scales in the, in the favor of prices maybe coming down a little bit. So the year hasn't really worked its way out yet, but right now I'm seeing uh, good listings that are getting action. I'm seeing buyers that are more price sensitive than they were and they want to be more cautious and they know that they're not in the same market that they might have been a year ago but they're out there seriously looking around and they've got their mortgage pre-approvals and they're real shoppers. Right. Now how about on the seller side of that equation John because they're you're right with the pre-approvals and all the rest of it the buyers there and a lot of people have just been parked. You know, all of these new laws and all of these new rules and, geez, they keep moving the goalposts. You know, why not just going to sit for a few months and then just let the dust settle? Okay, so it's been a few months. So now we're in the new year. It might be time to get back into the game. So if you're a seller, pricing is going to be really, really important in this new 2019 year, isn't it? It is. Uh, To me, pricing is positioning. How do you position yourself? So uh, I find that if you if you were to write a graph of what the list prices might have been in certain segments, say the higher end detached markets out Vancouver area, and then maybe what some of the sale prices were, you can see there's a bit of a discrepancy as to where buyers' minds are at and sellers' minds are at. Sure. So, you know, in that case, that market's probably still somewhat, um, uh, you know, on the move. Okay. What about condo prices uh, and townhouses? Because those are the, in terms of the first-time home buyers, the younger families, 
is that you can't afford a multi-million dollar place. It's just not in the cards. So right. that entry-level home, as the prices have started to come off on some of the ridiculously high-end stuff, yes. have the prices on the condos gone up or have we kind of leveled off, John? I haven't seen anything go up lately. But okay. um, in general, the condo market has suffered just like the rest of the market. It's not at the all-time high anymore. But it's a much different scenario in terms of how many buyers you have versus how many listings you have. There's a wide range of buyers that are looking in the affordable ranges, obviously. So uh, in certain segments, for instance, Maple Ridge, I've got a couple different clients looking for uh, a townhome. Mm -hmm. Jay, uh, John and Leah in Maple Ridge, great young couple looking for a nice townhome. We've just gotten started. But what we found was a lot of the listings had been on, you know, 90 days, 100 days, and maybe they hadn't adjusted their price. And maybe the appeal level wasn't quite, you know, what someone would expect. So we went and looked at absolutely everything. And there wasn't a whole lot that it thrilled them. But now the new listings are coming out. And what we're finding is we've taken a look at a couple. weren't quite right for my clients. But I'll call back a, I'll call back a few days later a week. Hey, we've got an offer accepted. So, yes, some of these segments that are more affordable, I think that they're um, soliding up a little bit. And we're going to see. Either the listing gets absorbed and, and prices remain nice and strong. Right. Or the listings will you know, rack up and prices will be vulnerable again. Well, yeah, this is kind of unusual for Vancouver. You know, we, we, we've got spoiled over the last few years. You want to sell your house? No problem. Just put a price tag on it, put a sign on the front lawn, give it a few hours, and Bob's your uncle. Away she goes. Well, that's just long gone. But a lot of people are still in that mindset, John. So what happens now if you've let the, you've listed the house, you decided before Christmas, sure. okay, it's time to sell, and you listed it, and nothing happened. So now it's been on market for a couple of months, possibly longer. Right. How do you refresh that profile now that we're in the new year? We want to kind of rattle our, our over here, over here. We want to get right. noticed again, too, even though we've been for sale for a few months. How do you refresh that? Well, I want to be careful because I'm not out here advising anyone who's under a current listing contract of course, with any other of agent. And there are people that had good listings, good homes, reasonable prices on the market maybe in November, December, and they didn't sell. Yeah. So what I'm seeing a lot of times now is people will be maybe looking at the prices. Sometimes people are canceling listings and freshening up a little bit, then re-entering the market now that it's a new year. And sometimes that means a slightly different price. Okay. So I would suggest, you know, anyone who's thinking of selling right now, one of the things you're going to want to look at is what is the market doing in my segment, in my area right now? What is pricing doing? What have recent sales been? What's my, uh, what is my competition right now? And then what do I offer? Like, take a good inventory of what your property is and what it offers the market. Try to find a unique feature and then just press, push that unique feature because right now, inventory is not that strong. And if you're maybe on a green belt a block away from a school with a little creek in the back or something like that, you might be the only one and you can probably do quite well. Oh, but okay. uh, know what you've got, know what's selling, and then try to understand the, the nature of the market that you're in and act accordingly. Well, I would think also uh, all of those factors being at play, of course, there's still a missing ingredient, Mr. Carlson, and that would be the services of a good guide, a professional agent, someone who can take your your home and your situation and make it attractive to other individuals. And that, uh, you know, that the, the experience, you're, you've, you've already sold homes. How, how far was January, the what today, the 26th, you've already sold three homes? <laughs> this, this is great. In, the, in a market that I was in Toronto the other day, I'm reading about my hometown, I'm reading about <laughs> Vancouver in Toronto. Well, it's pretty, uh, almost stagnant. And I'm going, wait a second, who wrote this? <laughs> it's not stagnant, but it's slower. Isn't it? It's 
not what it was. And uh, you know, I like to tell clients, uh, you know, if you think about a cake, you put certain ingredients in it, it's going to fluff up a certain amount. Well, this is a different different set of ingredients, like we've talked about, rule changes, finances, right. taxes, all right. that sort of stuff. So you can't expect the same amount of fluff in your cake in this market, right. but you still want to maximize it. And I think that one thing you just touched on was having a good advisor, having a good agent in your corner is going to make all the difference because... You know, a lot of agents will say, oh, well, I'll sell for the top price or I'll get you as a buyer the best deal I can. And those things are very important. But how you arrive at the top price is usually by having an agent who knows what he or she is doing uh, in your area and can advise you properly. I, you know, I heard it said uh, by a really good instructor a while back that um, the number one job today of a good agent is to manage complex real estate transactions and to get them right and to keep your client out of danger. It's no longer just putting up a sign uh, on your property and maybe throwing an ad in the paper and having a number that ends in nines or eights so you attract certain people. I mean, all those things are okay. Right. But real estate has gotten a little more complicated over the last, say, five, two, three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of things to, to think about, whether it's the, the traditional negotiating or multiple offers and that sort of things. But there's also, you know, tax implications to think about. Uh, and a good agent can, can answer some questions, but not being an accountant, we can send you to an accountant. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, potentially material latent defects and how do you disclose these things mm-hmm. and how do you navigate this complex situation that you're in and have it come out to the peak result. And so, you know, if you don't mind me saying, I think that a lot of people know me as Johnny 1%, the Mm -hmm. guy that saves thousands of dollars and all that sort of thing. But also I think my real strength is the fact that I'm experienced. I've had a lot of sales, a lot of recent sales, and I'm always very client focused. So I'm able to lay it all on the table and help my clients make good decisions. And that's how you get the good results. Yeah. Johnny1percent.ca. It's not a coincidence that that's also the address of Mr. Carlson's website, friends. It's Johnny1percent.com or Johnny1percent.ca. Now, in 2017, you were a member of the President's Club, which is uh, the top 1% of realtors of the entire uh, greater Vancouver real estate area. Rumor has it, John Carlson, that you are going to make the President's Club for 2018 as well. Can you confirm that? Yeah. With with, a, with an audience listing. I think so. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's nice to be in the top 1%, and it really recognizes the people that are that are achieving and doing a lot of work. And, and you've um, made it for 2018 as well? Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. So go. thank you to all my clients that I've worked well, with. Well, no and kidding. To any potential clients who might be listening, uh, you know, I'm an open book when it comes to real estate When it, with a client. I advise as best I can, but really my job is to represent your interests to the best of my abilities, and that's what I do. John told me a little story, friends, uh, just before we turned on the mics uh, here in the studio during the news. He was at a an update, one of those uh, professional upgrade uh, seminars recently, and a fellow, a colleague in the real estate industry asked him during one of the breaks, why 1%? Yes. And John will answer, give you the answer he gave to his professional colleague after the news. We're going to take a quick break here. John Carlson from 1% Realty in studio. Johnny1percent.com or johnny1percent.ca is the website. You can reach him anytime at 604-612-0080, 612-0080. Lots more after the news. Welcome back to the program on this cloudy Saturday afternoon. Nice and warm in Vancouver, just not a lot of sunshine. Boy, with that sunset last night. Wow, that was super. I'm Sterling Fox, John Carlson from 1% Realty and Johnny1percent.ca in studio. You were at a recently at a professional development seminar that you uh, real estate professionals are required to take. Sure. And you, you sat down with a group of people, one of whom, during a break, asked you, why 1%? What did, you, what did you tell her? 
Well, that's a fair question. Of and course it's, it is. I get that question all the time. And sometimes it's from the people who invite me to sit in their, in their kitchen at the table to talk about the sale of their home. Of I course. mean, everybody wants to know why. But this is a fellow realtor who clearly makes more money than you do on a per, per house, per commission basis. So what's your problem, buddy? It's what she wants to know. <laughs> well, no, I think it was a nice question. And, uh, <laughs> and I think it's a fair question. Of course it is. Uh, and of course, everybody's got their own business model. And, uh, you know, I'm not disparaging any other business models. But, you know, I, I spent my first 13 plus years at other companies. Some sure. of the big name companies and cut my chops there and, and did well and enjoyed it. And a lot of good people at these companies. But uh, it was around May, I think, 2010 that I went to 1% Realty. And I thought, you know, I, I, I did so because I felt that the landscape was changing in real estate. I think that prices went up. Uh, a lot of realtors jumped in the game and the average agent still wasn't doing all that much business. There wasn't a lot, you know, a business to go around because there's so many agents. Mm-hmm. And I think that the consumers, you know, said, hey, and this is the Vancouver Consumer Show. People can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but people started to say, you know, these commissions seem to be getting a little bit high. And uh, really, can we do better than this? And people wanted better value. And I'm out in the valley or, you know, it's still in greater Vancouver, but out a little bit further east. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that, you know, a lot of the communities out there were looking at uh, parents to working parents. Maybe they've got two or three kids on the weekend. They're driving them to hockey. They're, uh, you know, working to make ends meet and, and, and making great family life, but they don't have a ton of extra money to throw around. So if you go and look at their house and their house is worth $900,000 and they say, uh, you know, boy, company X told me it was going to be $30,000 to sell my house or something. I'm using round numbers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and me, I'm maybe $10,000. Uh, you know, they say, how can you do that? Why 1% realty? So again, uh, I wanted to offer better value, but it was also a business decision. Knowing that a lot of people wanted better value, I thought, you know, I'm not going to have to look for business. I'm just simply going to work from referrals and people that I've worked with in the past, and I'm going to be busy and do a lot of volume. And that has has proven true. Right. Uh, since, you know, the eight years or so I've been at 1% realty, I've sold over 500 properties. So I'm always among the top selling agents. And I found that, you know, my game really stepped up a bit. When you do that kind of business and you're always in the thick of things, uh, it's I think it's a little bit easier to negotiate negotiate and say, justify the price of a seller, uh, or to uh, help your terms get expressed more clearly or more forcefully or more impressively to a buyer's agent or a seller's agent. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, for me, it works get better. I do better than I've ever done personally, being at 1% realty charging less money right. than I used to at the other companies because I'm just, I'm working. I'm not out there delivering flyers door to door, knocking and saying, hey, you ever thinking of selling? I'm kind of, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm available, I'm known, and I offer great value. And to me, that's that what that's what keeps me going. I feel great about it. And of course, now we and we've talked about this already on the, on the program this afternoon. John, prices are not where they were even a year ago, especially where they were two years ago. And as people contemplate selling, because life goes on, so if you have an opportunity to well uh, to take less of a hit on the price that you would always hope to get. Maybe that price is just not there, there anymore. It's just not available anymore. It's a little less than that now. That's the new reality. Well, to take less of a hit on the commission side keeps more money in your pocket, which ultimately ends ends up getting you closer to the price you wanted it to be at in the first place. Absolutely. And there's a lot of variables. If if I wasn't a good agent or an agent that's maybe not experienced but charges less money, well, maybe, maybe that's not as good an idea. But again, what I bring to the table is a high level of experience and professionalism, and I also charge less. So yes, I do save my clients money. And if it's a young family who lives in Coquitlam, maybe, and they've just saved uh, ten or $15,000 after tax money. I mean, that might be putting one kid through college. I mean, that's a few nice trips. So 
this is important. This is real money, real mm. families, people getting squeezed out of the market. And here is the answer. You want to keep your fees down. You want to work with a good agent, Johnny 1%. I'm going to suggest you look me up, give me a call. Uh, you might want a market evaluation. You might want to talk about what's happening in the market. You want, might want to discuss agency or any of these other changes. This is what I do. Okay. Market evaluation. Now, again, we, we keep mentioning this uh, frequently when you uh, make appearances with us, John, but uh, it, we keep mentioning it because, frankly, I think we need to, given the changing landscape of the real estate market in, in Vancouver uh, and, and Metro, uh, this whole area, I mean, we are, it, it's a constant state of change. And we just, uh, we, we've seen the peak and now we're not there anymore, but it's still incredibly active. Yes. And how frequently, if we have uh, uh, either the house currently for sale or we're right on the cusp of, well, let's get that sign on the lawn. How fresh does that market evaluation need to be? And if it's been on market for a couple of months, how much of a rethink do you need about that price in the first place? Well, more than ever right now, you want a, 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 an up-to-date evaluation. As you were asking me, you know, how recent should your evaluation be? It, it occurs to me that I've, I'm talking to a few different people who are about ready to get their homes on the market. Okay. And we're like, we're in real time. Like, hey, I'll call them up and a listing just, you know, two blocks away, there's another new listing or one just sold. And the reason it's so important right now is the market is really defining itself. It's not the same market it was last year. Right. The inventory is different. And so you really want to know what's going on right now in the recent activity and uh, and then you know make a plan from there use the data that you have maybe the experience of a good agent can can ha- give you a hand that way as well but then use that to make a good strategy and a good plan going forward all right let's talk a little bit about the consumer questions on the Vancouver consumer show Mr. Sure. Carlson and that yes. has to do with the 1% reality yes. because we are trained we are it's almost in our DNA if we're going to pay less for something chances are we're getting less right. and so we're looking for those deals and we just try and squeeze the most out of whatever we can pay minimally so if you go and you end up uh, retaining the services of a of a John Carlson at 1% realty what are you giving up by way of what the other guys might have been able to do for you. Other than giving up more of your commission money, nothing. Um, of course, any agent can have their own individual uh, style and things that they do to sell a listing. But uh, no, when you work with me, again, that was my whole focus. I didn't come to 1% Realty to cut corners and and uh, mail it in, so to speak. I'm out there. I'm working. So uh, really, there is no, uh, there's nothing that you're not getting when you work with me at Johnny 1%, at 1% Realty. You're getting a better commission structure than the majority of my competitors. Mm-hmm. And we're not the only company that charges less than, say, 7 and two and a half. That's right. kind of typical, but foreclosures and banks, all kinds of different commission models out there. But really, uh, you, you want to save that money, but you need to make sure that the process is handled professionally. Uh, you've been uh, assisted property the whole way because that makes more difference, especially when it comes down to an offer. You can make a $10,000 difference just in the way you handle a counter offer to a client. Sure. So Again, you want both of these things. You don't necessarily just want the cheapest. And that's what some people have said, you know, and hey, I've heard that you guys are so cheap. You know, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys and all these kind of yeah, things. Right, right, yeah, right. But I let people know that this is a business decision I made. I feel great about working for what I work for. I still get paid very well. I do a lot of business. And, uh, you know, again, for all the benefits, my clients benefit, I benefit. And then who knows, you know, when people buy a home, there might be a different commission structure on that home. Either way, 
I focus on the needs of my client, delivering the results they need, and that's why I'm in the heat of things. And one of the things that John usually does when he drops in for a visit with us is point out a couple of new listings. And one of the new listings that certainly caught my attention over the preceding weeks as we're coming up to the end of last year was a, a, a condo in Carisdale with an ocean view on the top floor. That uh, is has just been sold. Yes. And uh, the, the seller of that condo, John's client, George, has a few thoughts for us this afternoon. I've been listening to John for God knows how long. All his uh, beautiful presentations on CKNW. Mm-hmm. And we got to uh, to having to put our condominium after some you know, 31 years onto the market, we, uh, we uh, engaged John. Well, John certainly knows his business. Uh, he's, uh, you know, a man you can trust. Uh, there's no comments as to far, you know, we didn't go comparing with anybody else because that's uh, our decision, and John has done a, a, an excellent job for us. Well, there's George uh, from Carisdale. And George, first and foremost, uh, thanks for listening to us here on CKNW and uh, and mm-hmm. our shows. Ben and I appreciate that part very much already. Go ahead, John. Yeah, and thank you, George. George and his wife, Ermgard. Um, it was really um, an honor. You know, it's always an honor when someone chooses you to represent them in an important transaction. Uh, but George uh, was the strata president of this building that he'd lived in, for, as he just said, 31 years. Yeah. The original owner of the penthouse, uh, very, very well known in the business. And he did actually confide in me um, that someone in the building had at first said to him, you know, are you sure it's a good idea? 1% realty, mm-hmm. you know, it might not be a good idea. And sometimes I hear those things. But, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that George is happy. Um, this one took, you know, it didn't happen overnight. Um, this is a, an age-restricted building. And I think that, you know, given the way the market is and the feeders for this type of a buy, you know, might be people selling their up their higher-end homes and that market slowed down a bit. But there were two units in the building on the top floor and, and we're sold. So I think that George and Ermgard are happy and I am really honored and very happy. And George, thank you for such a great testimonial. I'll be seeing you uh, a little bit later today. Oh, excellent stuff. Well, uh, again, the, the the notion of complicated, you're back to this again. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is complicated. And if, if a guy like George, who's been at it for 31 years, uh, uh, is moving on and he's obviously got both feet on the ground and know, knows where he's going, I'm thinking... If it's complicated for George, and it is, how complicated must it be for the first-time buyer, John? Just a blinking maze to try to navigate through. There are just so many variables at play here. This is where experience and someone who can understand, well, I'm going to have to hold your hand here, and we're going to have to get this thing organized, or we're not going to do well. Yes, it's great working with uh, young buyers, first-time buyers. I do a fair bit of it, and... You're right. Um, every buyer is different, and some of them will uh, have a lot of uh, be a lot of preparedness there, and some not so much. Right. But it's a big decision, and it's a stressful time. And so, I think a good buyer's agent. Of course, I work with buyers and sellers. Yeah. So, if you're looking at buying a property or selling a property, and you want to talk to me about that, you can contact me through my website or give me a call on my cell. Uh, but it, it, it's an awesome feeling, actually, to help people through the process to figure out what they want and what they need, and then you know sometimes say with strata buyers, a lot of first time buyers buy stratas, and so. If, you're, if you happen to know um, a lot of the ins and outs of the condos and the townhomes and the areas that they're looking, and you can give them a little bit of advice in terms of how this might work or how that might work or maybe what might be coming down the pike with some of these places, you can really help people to make good decisions, and then they can build their families on, on that. I guess what's most different these days, John, is the pacing. We've talked about this in the past. It was so 
blasted frantic there yes. a couple of years ago. You'd be you'd, you'd put a house up for sale by at lunchtime, and it'd be sold by supper with multiple offers at a bidding war. Subjects, come on, get serious. I have fifteen minutes to make a decision involving millions of dollars. All that insanity is mercifully gone, or is it? Well, um, it's most of it is, I guess. I'm not drinking as much coffee as I was in those days. Um, but it's interesting you say that because with a few buyers, and it depends, again, on the segment that you're looking in and, and the price ranges because all of them are different. But some of them I've suggested that I've been looking with since, say, December. I've said, you know, time is on your side. Don't be in a Hey, you find a place that's perfect for you and you can get the right deal on it. Go for it. Absolutely. Sure. Go for it. But on the other hand, don't settle quite yet because, you know, the listings aren't quite out in full bloom and, uh, you know, maybe there's some softening to still go in the market. So that's been kind of a, you know, a supportive role that I'm playing and giving some advice that way and judging this and that and helping people kind of say, hey, would this be the right one? I went out with clients last night, townhome in Maple Ridge. Uh, and, you know, they looked and they said, yeah, it's kind of nice, but yeah, it doesn't really speak to us. And I said, great. Okay. Let's give it more time because there's new listings coming every week now. Right. Uh, whereas other segments, you know, not as much. But my point is this, with some of my clients, now, I'm suggesting, hey, you know, time is still on your side. There's lots of listings. But if you do see that one that has, you know, the priced appropriately for today's market and it offers all the things you want, and this is a good place, don't be afraid of going for it because somebody else will if you don't. Those, sure. those type of properties are selling. So price is important, presentation, all that sort of thing. But uh, the good listings in the more affordable segments are definitely moving at the moment. Any listings to tell us about today? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. I've got a... Um, a new one coming out in Steveston Village, $1.299 million. And uh, this is a house on a 4,000-square-foot lot, roughly a three-bedroom house. Beautiful little area, Steveston Village. That one's just coming out. Okay. I've got a couple of condos in the um, in Maple Ridge in the 55 and over group. Uh, if someone's looking for that, one's a one-bedroom, one's a two-bedroom. Are they um, on uh, Johnny 1%? These are all on johnny1percent.com. Okay. Yes, and you can, the majority of my listings, you can go through and do a 3D tour and walk through them virtually. And mm-hmm. you can text me or send me messages and get all the information uh, that you want there. Yeah. Quick final question to you, John. And I know you're coming back next Saturday, so we'll just pick this thing right up sure. and, and carry on. I but love it. Spring, you've identified this a uh, long time here on the show that spring is the peak season for real estate of the year, every year, bar none. Is spring 2019 going to be busy this year, as typically busy as other springs? Yeah, it'll be it'll be busy because I think there are a lot of people who held off last year and thought, well, gee, is it the right time to sell? And for some people, it still might not be the right time to sell. But for a lot, I think, uh, you know, the market's come down a bit, but it hasn't collapsed. I think so. I think we're definitely looking at a lot of new listings are going to hit uh, in the next two, three months. Uh, from a buyer's point of view, it remains to be seen what we're going to have. Are we going to have prices uh, continue to slide down? Are they going to stabilize? Are they going to get pushed up by an in, by sudden influx of demand? We just don't know yet, but I can tell you that spring is the key time of the year that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year. There will be more listings coming up. Oh, it sure. seems to me that the buyers are stepping a foot back in the water and looking for the right appropriate properties at the right appropriate prices. Interesting stuff. You can t- reach him now because he's officially f- uh, sprung for good behavior. Uh, the 604 604- 6120080 do that again 6046120080 john carlson johnny1percent.com johnny1percent.ca check it out and uh, we will see each other one week from right now john carlson thank you sterling see you saturday you bet we're back after this 
And once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another informative visit. John will be back with more next Saturday, along with Jesse Miller from Mediated Reality, who will provide a primer on social media and personal safety, which should be fascinating. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time, our producer Ben Dooley wants to know how affordable is the new Canada Food Guide. Thanks, Sterling. Canada's new food guide emphasizes plant-based meals instead of meat or dairy. Replacing meat with beans may seem like a hard feat, but dietitians disagree. Here's registered dietitian Joy Jansen. If you had half a cup to a cup, depending on the beans or the lentils that you're having, would get you there. And then you pair that up with your grain choice, quinoa or whole grains. Then that's going to bump up to about 20, 25 grams of protein and there's no meat there. With the changes, some people are concerned their grocery bill will be a lot higher. There's no doubt that eating whole foods fresh is expensive. And depending on where you live in Canada, it's going to be insanely expensive. So it's figuring out how can you add a little bit more to to your daily environment. The guide suggests buying a fresh produce when it's in season and on sale, and also suggests buying frozen or canned vegetables and fruits where possible. The government has prepared a list of ways to help people embrace the food guide while still sticking to their budget. They are expected to come out with more serving-based information in the next few months. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. We talked about dry January a few weeks ago with a story criticizing the concept because it gave followers permission to, well, catch up for the rest of the year. Well, here's another take. New British research has found that taking part in dry January, which involves staying away from alcohol for a month, could help people lose weight, sleep better boost energy, save money, and reduce drinking long-term. Carried out by the University of Sussex, the new survey surveyed British adults who took part in Dry January last year. The first survey questioned people who had registered for Dry January. The second questioned them in the first week of February. And the final survey checked out those same people in August. The findings showed that those who take part in dry January also report drinking less months later, with alcohol consumption also lower in August. Other benefits of dry January included a sense of achievement reported by 93% of participants and saving money reported by 88% of those surveyed. Cutting back on booze also brought a large number of other health benefits, including improved overall health, better sleep, more energy, weight loss, better concentration, and better skin. And the sponsor of the survey, Alcohol Change UK, also commented on the findings saying, put simply, dry January can change lives. We hear every day from people who took charge of their drinking using dry January and who feel healthier and happier as a result. There. There you go, the other side of the dry January experience. And that is our program for today. Produced by Ben Dooley, Andrew Ferreira has hands-on on the controls. We appreciate your feedback. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, send them along to us at sterling at cknw.com. Or you can tweet them to us at Van Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.